The Way BK podcast is dedicated to pursuing and promoting a true understanding of Jesus Christ and the transformation he provides for all who submit to him to live in a way that is pleasing to God as revealed in the Bible. Let's join our hosts as they discuss The Way. Hey guys, welcome back to The Way BK podcast. Really good to have you with us. We have started a new series here on following the way of Jesus. And really glad to have you with us. We're going through the Gospel of Mark, and we're looking at what can we learn about the way of Jesus. In our first episode, we talked about the introduction to the book, this theme of the kingdom, the emphasis on Jesus being the King, the Christ, the Son of God, and what that meant for us submitting to Jesus as King. Uh, And today, what we want to talk about, we want to look at this theme from Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. Our theme today is the change that Jesus makes in our lives, the impact of Jesus on our lives. Our theme today, changed by Jesus. Look at the impact of the king coming. Let's start in Mark chapter 1 and verse 14, where it says this. Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. Well, so Ben, talk to us a little bit as you look at these verses. uh, What do you see about the impact Jesus' call has on these first disciples Jesus calls? We talked about this in our our first uh, discussion about Mark, but... Mark just goes for it as far as telling the story. There's not a lot of background. John gives you a lot of, in John's gospel, there's a lot of, oh, you know, these guys, they uh, they met Jesus because John the Baptist told them to, and they went and spent like an afternoon, evening with Jesus, and the next day they met him again. And then and then Luke tells you a little more about a fishing expedition with Jesus, uh, kind of telling him how to do it and giving him a miracle and all this kind of stuff. Mark just goes right to it, and I love that. And this is really kind of the first um personal interaction we see with Jesus. I mean, I guess you could say with, uh, with John, when he's baptized, but we don't know much about that. There's not much said in Mark's gospel. And then you got Jesus's big picture message, but not a lot of the interactions there. This is the first time Jesus is, we get the details of Jesus talking to a person or a couple of people and telling them what to do. And I love that the very first thing we see is Jesus saying, Hey, you're not allowed to be who you were before. Come follow me and I'll make you into something different. And something better, something more meaningful, something more satisfying and all that kind of stuff. But, man, this was a lot. These men are asked to leave their their livelihoods, their their jobs, which so much consumes people's identity. You know, when you meet people, a lot of times like, hey, my name is, hey, your name is. And then usually one of the very first questions we ask them is, what do you do? Because we understand that what you do on a day to day basis, the thing that occupies you, whatever your occupation is, that kind of sums up in many ways who you are. Jesus says no more. Not only that, a couple of these guys had to, I don't mean they forsook them. We know from some of the other gospels, they still had a relationship with their families, but it wasn't the same relationship. 
because they went from working with their father, Zebedee, in verse 20, it says they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Maybe, by the way, the fact they had hired servants may imply that they had some degree of, um, I don't know, wealth is the right word, but they were doing okay. They had some comfort they were leaving behind. Jesus comes, and the first time we see somebody, Jesus interacting with somebody, he says, it's all going to be different now. It's right back to what we talked about with the repentance theme from John's preaching and Jesus' preaching, as you read in verses 14 and 15. Jesus says, come on, everything's going to be different now. Yeah, and maybe this is a good time to just stress this really critical, I think, difference between the way we think of students, student-teacher relationships yeah. and the way um, it was in the old days, and especially with Jesus. Um, when Jesus says, follow me, Think of it this way. He is their rabbi. He's their teacher, but not the way we do it in like the American classroom where, you know, you go for an hour and you have math with this teacher and then an hour for language arts with that teacher, something like that. No, um, what happens here is uh, that a disciple chooses a teacher to stay with and to follow around. And the implication is the goal is to watch the teacher and join the teacher in the work that the teacher is doing. So when Jesus is calling his disciples and he says, follow me, he's not just asking them to like, hey, you know, come take a class with me, come take a course, come learn a few good things from me. No, he's calling them to, to become like him, to imitate, the, to imitate him. Uh, he'll say in the Gospel of Luke, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he's fully trained will be like his teacher. And this speaks to the point that you made that ultimately the, what Jesus is calling them to is something very different and something very better than who they are and what they are. We're talking about being changed by Jesus. And what we're going to see throughout the gospel of Mark is that this doesn't happen automatically. Mm -hmm. And it also doesn't happen um, uh, uh, always quickly in the ways that we want. Sometimes it's, you know, these disciples are a piece of work sometimes, you know, uh, there's some things about them that are like, man, messed up. But don't miss the radical transformation that is to immediately take place in their life. From this point on, they are following Jesus. They are choosing to look to Jesus and allowing Jesus to lead them in the way that they should go. They don't even understand what that means at this point. Just right. like every one of us, when we choose to follow Jesus, we don't fully grasp the, 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 the depth of the meaning uh, of what that will cost us and what it will entail. But nonetheless, the call is still there that we follow after him. I mean, I think you said a couple of things that are really important. One is exactly that point that they didn't really know what this was going to entail. Jesus doesn't tell them where they're going exactly right. at all, actually. He, he doesn't tell them how long it will take. He doesn't really get into much detail about the challenges they're going to face. He's going to do that later with them at times. But even then, he doesn't get into all the detail about that. Um. He doesn't tell them how people will respond to them or even what these men will feel about themselves or think about themselves as they're they're changed as they follow him. There's just a lot. And that's following Jesus requires that following after the king living in Jesus's kingdom uh, requires saying, OK, I don't exactly know where this thing's going, but I'm going to go. And I also love what you you kind of used this word a second ago when you were describing the difference of being a, a learner from Jesus versus the way we think about learning. A lot of the learning we do is informational learning. Right. I'm going to gain information. I'm going to take something. I'm going to know some facts. Jesus tells us a lot of facts. There's a lot of info that Jesus gives us as we learn from him. 
but there's a difference in informational learning and transformational learning, which is exactly what, what you were describing in terms of the notion of being a follower of Jesus. And that's what we got to remember. That's the focus here. We're not just trying to know some stuff about God or know some stuff about Jesus or know some stuff about right and wrong, but we actually want to be changed people. And the change is, um, ultimately to become like Jesus himself, that we would be transformed, become like the teacher, as you referenced in that passage. Um, but I think that's so important that this is what we're going to. And that takes a big, a lot of sacrifice. Uh, it's kind of a big risk uh, because it's unknown. That's right. The caterpillar, when he crawls into the cocoon, doesn't know what it's going to be like whenever he comes out as a butterfly. He believes he's going to come out as something better but he doesn't know exactly when that's going to happen or how it's going to work. And he doesn't know what it's going to be like to go from this one thing into another thing. And when we're talking about following Jesus, that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, come follow me. And I'm going to change you into something better. You're going to have to make a bunch of sacrifice to make that happen. There's a lot of things that are unknowns for you along the way, but come and I'll transform you into something better into someone like me. Yeah, I love that. Really, right here at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, we're finding out that the gospel is not just informative, it's transformative in our lives. And that's so critical. There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God, Mm -hmm. having a relationship with God. And that has everything to do with how we respond to what we know about him. Jesus was calling them to come to know about him, but much more than that, to know him and to become like him in everything, in everything about who they were. Uh, and we see just, wow, Jesus from this point on verse 21, uh, they go into Capernaum. They're in they're on the Sabbath day in the synagogue. And Jesus starts teaching again, part of being a disciple is being a student. You're learning. Jesus is teaching, you're studying and listening. People are amazed by his teaching. Um, and they recognize that he teaches. There was something different about the way Jesus taught from what they were used to with the scribes and other teachers. Um, the way Mark puts it is he was teaching them as one having authority. Uh, and it wasn't just that Jesus spoke having authority, although that is absolutely true. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, but I say to you, there was a there was a declaration of authority in the way Jesus spoke. He wasn't saying, Rabbi so-and-so said this, so you should do this, or you know, the Torah said this. He said, no, but I say to you, this is the way you should live. But there's also the, the authority seen not just through the, the declarative teaching, but also through um, the impact of his words right. on the people around him. And we see that in the story here. People are might be wondering, you know, who is this guy to teach with such authority in the synagogue? Who does he think he is to talk like this? Well, Jesus proves who he is by taking a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he rebukes that unclean spirit, calls the spirit out of him. And when that spirit um, gets rebuked and throws the man into the convulsions and cries out with a loud voice and comes out of him, everybody's amazed because now they recognize that this isn't just like, you know, we had a guy growing up in, in, in my hometown, they called him the old prophet. Uh, and and he would talk, man, and he would make some declarations and he would make some prophecies and he would say some things. Um, but man, uh, I never saw that man do a miracle. Uh, he, I don't even think he claimed to do miracles, uh, you know. And, and so the big question I always had was, well, well, why should I listen to you? Like, how do I know that what you're saying is true? Jesus didn't leave people in that kind of doubt. 
He wasn't the kind of teacher that would just say, hey, believe it because I said so and then left it at that. No, Jesus was always demonstrating with his actions, proving that his words are actually true. And this story is meant to do that for the people. The people's response is, what is this? A new teaching with authority. Even the unclean spirits obey him. And word starts to spread rapidly uh, throughout here. Pretty incredible stuff from Jesus. I don't know. What am I missing? What else do you see there uh, in that story, Ben? No, that's it. And I think I think this notion of authority, we're not just shifting on. It's not like, okay, we did the now follow Jesus thing. Now we're on to another story. We might wonder, why would these men do this? Why mm-hmm. would they follow Jesus and abandon their jobs, You know, change their relationship with their families to some extent, uh, maybe a large extent, um, give up on a lot of comforts, give up on really who they were before to become something? Why would they do that? Well, in part, they recognize that here's someone who has the authority or the power that they should just do what he says. I mean, they, we talked about submission a little bit in our last uh, discussion. Uh, they needed to submit to Jesus. Also, I think some of the people are like, I don't know, that sounds pretty big. Like the kind of change that Jesus is talking about to be transformed and to be like, I don't think that's possible. Well, Jesus is saying, yeah, it is. Look at me. Look at me go. I have the authority to do all things. I have the power to where demons submit. I just speak to demons and they obey me. So yeah, I've got the authority and the power where you should listen to me and the things that I'm doing in your life will, the change will be affected if you'll come follow me. This change will work out. It will happen. Similarly, I think the next story where Peter goes in, uh, sorry, Jesus goes into the house of uh, Peter with his mother-in-law who's ill and Jesus uh, heals her. Uh, all the people are there to see Jesus, to hear his teaching, to be healed by Jesus and so forth. And uh, and uh, it talks about in verse, um, help me out, where to, oh, verse 31. He came, took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve. Well, that shows, this is again, a story of authority that not only is it um, spiritual dialogue that Jesus has authority over truth and righteousness. It's not just that Jesus has authority over the spiritual realm, like, oh, the demons obey Jesus, but even physical disease. And we're going to see this quite a bit. We're going to see another story in particular at the end of this chapter where Jesus demonstrates that he has power and authority over everything. But also this story shows us something pretty important about Jesus, that he has all that authority that gives us the ability for change, the power that he has is what will produce this transformation when we follow him. But also there's a tenderness, a gentleness, a compassion, a mercy with Jesus. A lot of us are like, I don't know if I can follow Jesus like that because I'm probably going to mess up. I'm probably going to be bad. Well, Jesus wants to help. Jesus wants to make us better. He heals Peter's mother-in-law so that she can carry on, so that she can keep doing what she wanted to do, to be serving and what, what presumably he would have thought was a good and righteous and good thing for her to be doing. These stories uh, are showing us why Jesus is trustworthy, why we should follow him. You can imagine maybe Peter, Andrew, James, and John were kind of questioning, is this a good idea? Should we be following? I'm not saying they actually thought that, but maybe they did. If they had any notions like that, these stories were things where they would have thought, okay, I think I'm on the right track. This is somebody who could really change me and make me better. And I need to keep on following him, whatever that will cost. And I just think about this and I think how incredible that a teacher like this, that a king like this would want such ordinary broken people like these, you know, he's not exactly calling and helping the kinds of people 
that you'd expect a king to come and help. You know, uh, he's he's not rallying to himself the most powerful, the most prestigious, the most uh, wealthy. Um, he he's helping ordinary people, and really these healings and, and works that Jesus does kind of launch um, a healing ministry because everybody wants some. Everybody's got somebody. Everybody knows somebody who needs some healing here. And so Jesus starts getting mobbed um, by everybody who's ill and everybody who's demon, demon possessed. The whole city gathers at his door and he's healing them. You know, there's it's not like Jesus was uh, a specialized physician that could only execute his magic in certain areas or with certain problems. No, whatever they brought, Jesus was for certain classes of people to, to further double down on your point a second ago. That's right. Jesus was able to handle it. Jesus was able to to help. Um, and, and, and so you start to get the picture here. Wow, this guy's going to make a tremendous social impact in Palestine, which leads to verse 35. In the early morning, Jesus, while it's still dark, he gets up and he leaves the house and he went to a secluded place to pray. And so Simon finds out, um, you know, searching everywhere for him, like, where are you, Jesus? Everybody's looking for you. The whole city wants to come back and see you again. There's more people for you to heal, to which Jesus then says something I think would shock most preachers today. Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. Jesus wasn't interested in the popularity. Jesus wasn't interested um, in, 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 in only making a temporary impact on the lives of the people he was around. Jesus is looking to transform completely people's lives. And so he recognized that the healings and the uh, demons being cast out was a part of that transformation, but actually was just a part of that transformation, that God had much greater things in store for the people than just that. Uh, and that power would come through the preaching of the gospel, which would not just heal their legs or heal their arms or heal, or heal their eyes or heal, uh, you know, um, or remove the demons from, from, from their lives. But that gospel had the power to completely change who they were and, and the kind of people that they were so that they could live a life that was pleasing to God. What else do you see uh, from this section? Um, Jesus's prayers and his react response to, uh, to Simon, Ben. Well, I mean, that last point you're making is so critical and it, it helps us because sometimes we may feel like, and I I mean, I feel this way to some extent. You see these, you read these stories about things Jesus did. You're like, wow, I just wish I could have been there. I think I would be a better person if I could have been there, if Jesus could have healed me of something or if I could have witnessed one of those. And it would, I, don't get me wrong, I, clearly that would have an impact. But when we ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, what do you think is the thing that would really make an impact in someone's life? What he says right here in verses 38 and 39, the thing that will change somebody is the word of God that he came to preach. This goes all the way back to chapter one and verses 14 and 15. The summary of Jesus's life and ministry was preaching the good news of the kingdom. And that was something that he lived and embodied and demonstrated and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to downplay that. But uh, if we want to follow Jesus, what that means, is we got to pay really close attention to his word. We're actually going to see in this last little story of the chapter that we're going to read here in a second. I think we'll see even more the kind of a story that kind of interrogates us. Are you really listening to his word? And maybe that'll help us think about this, but that's, that's the whole deal here. If we want to be changed, we got to learn to listen and pay attention to what Jesus has to say. Amen. Amen. 
So Jesus is going throughout the synagogues. He's preaching. He's casting out all these demons. And, and we get this story at the end of chapter one, verse 40, of a leper coming to Jesus. And the leper comes to Jesus. He beseeches him. He falls on his knees before him. And he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And the text says that Jesus was moved with compassion and he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I love this story, Ben. This is one of my favorite stories in the gospel of Mark. Um, and one of the reasons I love this story is uh, because uh, the leper comes to Jesus really with an understanding of who he is and uh and how um unlikable he is you know uh I, I noticed i noticed that he's beseeching uh him falling on his knees before him and begging him but he says if you're willing you can make me clean the leper trusts the power of jesus but he questions the willingness of jesus yeah. to actually make him clean. Uh, and I think this is helpful because uh, I think there may be some people listening even today who are like, hey, you know, I know Jesus can transform people's lives. I know Jesus can change change my life or change people's lives, but not me, not me. You know, I'm too bad. You know, I know God could if he wanted to, but God doesn't want me. God couldn't want me. Man, if you think about lepers, Lepers were really in a bad place in ancient Israel. I mean, they, you know, you get you get leprosy, you're removed from your family, you're removed from your town, you're removed out into a leper colony. And anytime anybody comes near you, you're supposed to throw up your hands and say, hey, get away, unclean, unclean. You know, I, I, I'm done for. What I love about Jesus, though, is he's willing. And the way he proves that is he reaches out and he touches the leper. And when he touches the leper, he shows the leper how compassionate and how loving he is. Some of us need to be touched by the compassion and by the love of Christ today. And we need to recognize that actually Jesus, when he left heaven and came down into earth and went to the cross, he showed us once and for all just how much he wants, not just that he's able to change our lives, but just how much he wants to change our lives. You may be sitting there here, here, hearing this and thinking, hey, I don't know. I'm like a leper. I've messed up my life so bad. There's no way Jesus would want me back. This story reminds us there's nobody that Jesus doesn't want back. Even the leper, he reaches out and touches and he heals. And he does it. That, that touching piece is so big. It's in close contact. Right. I'm not sure that Peter, Andrew, James, and John would have thought of themselves in the same class as the leper, but they, like all of us, spiritually speaking, are lepers. We are diseased people through our sins, through our rebellion against God. We got all this evil in us. What does Jesus say? He doesn't say, man, y'all go over there. Y'all are kind of nasty. I'm going to send y'all some messages about what you need to do. Now he said, come follow me. Come be with me. Come live life with me. Walk with me. Talk with me. Share your life with me. Um, be, be my crew. In a very real sense, that was Jesus touching the disciples and saying, y'all come on and follow me. And here Jesus touches this leper in the same way to provide this healing. And that's what he's trying to do for everybody is come, come close so that I can deal with you. That's what, like you said, that's what he did whenever he came to earth. And that's what he's doing by calling us to follow him. Uh, but I also love that after he touches the man in some ways, you'd be like, Oh, okay. 
we're done. That's over. That's it. Right. But then Jesus um, actually points to the word of God. Uh, well, first he says, don't tell anybody about this, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. In some ways, this is just an example of Jesus being submissive to the will of God that he had given to Israel in the law of Moses. Uh, it's also Jesus pointing to the, the importance of the word of God, even to this leper. You could argue that the leper would be like, I don't need to do nothing now. I'm healed. I'm good. This is amazing. This is a miracle was done. It's over for me. And Jesus says, no, you need to trust in what the word of God has to say about why you need to do that. And you might, I don't know all the reasons why God had that in the law. There's probably a number of reasons. In this man's case, he might have thought he would have been an exception to that. But no, that word was something he needed to pay attention to and listen to and trust in, um, which in some ways is kind of the, if we, if we want to have a take home from this section, this guy embodies for us the good and the bad of um, the notion of trust. A lot of this section is about trust. The disciples had to learn to trust Jesus. They had to trust him to leave their jobs, leave their families, leave their livelihoods, leave their lives behind to go follow him. This leper had to trust Jesus enough to come close and to fall down and to you know, beg him and all this. He had to trust in Jesus. But the end of the story shows how he didn't trust Jesus all the way. It says in verse 45, he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. Jesus said, tell nobody. Um, there's no mention. Maybe he obeyed what the word of God at that time said for in the old covenant. And maybe he obeyed what Jesus said, but there's no record of him going to the priest to show himself. He may have, but seems like he didn't. Seems like he just kind of went and did what he wanted to do. Um, this guy demonstrates to us the, the peril that we're in. Sometimes we follow Jesus a little bit. We're impressed by the authority and the mercy and the goodness of Jesus. We hear the preaching of Jesus. We may even receive some good stuff from Jesus. But do we trust him enough to actually do what he says? The result of this is this man's not doing what Jesus said actually prevented Jesus from being able to go into any towns and cities uh, to heal. By the way, I don't know if Jesus knew this was going to happen or not. I think he could have known that it was going to happen if whether he chose to or not. Pretty impressive to me that Jesus still did this in spite of the fact that the man didn't trust him. That's maybe a side thing, but there's a lesson here, I think, for us that we got to learn to be like the disciples and leave everything to follow after the word of Jesus and really trust him and and be like the leper on the good side when he fell down. And I'm I know you can make me clean like that was real trust, but we got to follow through with that and keep on trusting Jesus, which means listening to his word and doing what he says. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. As I read this story, I'm reminded that uh, trust in God is complicated and a challenging thing. Yeah. Um, the gospel uh, is not something just to be heard, but something to be believed. And we need to ask ourselves, do I really believe the gospel? Am I really trusting Jesus in his word? Am I really trusting in his authority in my life? Um, if I am, I'll be at peace. I'll have rest. I'll be able to, to walk in his ways and submit to him. But truthfully, some of us that believe the gospel, sometimes we don't really believe the gospel. Yep. 
And that and it gets revealed through our anxieties. It gets through, revealed through uh, things we we worry about, things that we stress about. Rather than running to Jesus, we're running to other places or people or things or wealth or secure things for security. Um, and, and, and again, we need to we need to let the gospel lead us to faith in Jesus. As we read Mark chapter one, I'm impressed by this. Jesus is not just a, a, a powerful teacher who is able to heal. He's a powerful teacher that wants to heal. We must believe that God is and that he wants to heal us and reward us if we'll seek him. And truly, Jesus is showing us that he wants that. We've got to respond by trusting him. Yeah. I don't know. Final word, thoughts, comments? I guess I'll just throw in one more thing here. I mean, we've been from the disciples to all these people who were healed by Jesus, even the leper, Jesus brings about change for those who trust in him, which is what we've been focusing on, right? Like with all this stuff, but also uh, one of the best things, and this is true of just about everything that I can think of. Uh, Jesus doesn't just call us to trust in him. He calls us to trust like him. Right. Verse 35, we talked about a little bit. Jesus was cooking. I mean, everybody's impressed. He's demons are subject to his name. He's healing lepers with a touch, all this kind of stuff. But if you ask Jesus, where did all this come from? I think from his words in other places in the gospels and his actions here in Mark chapter one, his answer would be because he trusted in his father. He got up early in the morning, not so he could just get some time for himself, but so he could get some time for prayer to his father, which is a great demonstration of his trust in his father. And the fact that Jesus didn't get high on all the attention and the, the glory that he was receiving from the people. He trusted his father because he knew what his mission was. And that was to preach the good news of the gospel of God to other towns. Also, whenever Jesus says, trust me, he's also saying, trust like me. And this transformation happens through trust, partly because the change to buy, that comes from Jesus and to be like Jesus is that's how he operated. First Peter chapter two, I think it's about verse 24 says he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Hebrews three talks about how he was faithful to God in all that he did. And here we see that. So if we're going to learn to trust God and trust Jesus, we got to look at Jesus and say, how did he do this? How can I follow in his way and really trust God the way Jesus did? And we know how this works, right? Uh, because we see this in our own lives today. The people you spend time with, the people you uh, are around, eventually you become like them, right? You you become more and more like them. And, and it's the same way with Jesus. If we'll choose to follow the way of Jesus and we'll choose to be with him, the more we look at him and the more we study him and the more we see him as he truly is, the more we'll be transformed to become like him. And that's what it's really all about. Do you believe the gospel? Do you really trust his word? Thanks for listening, guys. This has been really good. Appreciate you hearing us out. And I hope this is helpful to you. If there's anything we can do for you, reach out to us anytime. We'll be happy to help. God bless you all. See y'all. The aim of The Way BK is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ across Brooklyn and beyond. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.thewaybk.com.